Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have a special guest, Steve Sims. He's a real-life Wizard of Oz. He's a podcaster. He's an author. He's a keynote speaker. He's a coach. He does speak easies. You do a bunch of different stuff, but Steve, for people that don't know you yet or haven't come into your world, give us a little bit of your background and tell us a little bit about you. So I think it was the New York Post that said I was the most connected person in the planet that no one had ever heard of. Um, for 25 years, I was a concierge to quite simply the richest people in the planet. Uh, I did things like um, get them into Formula One in Monaco with Ferrari, get them on front seats of the Paris Fashion Week. Um, got a couple that wanted to get married in the Vatican by the Pope, a drum lesson by Guns N' Roses, a guitar lesson by ZZ Top, got them on stage with Journey and hanging out with Elton John. So basically, I was the Make-A-Wish Foundation for billionaires. And my thing was I always used to tell them, I'm going to give you more interesting cocktail stories. But I always said that business was not the business I was in. My business was I wanted to have a two-hour conversation with the most powerful people in the world. Hey, if I've got to get you, uh, you know, closing down a museum for a dinner party at night, I just got to do that to get this. So I did it for about 25 years worked with the biggest events on the planet. Arrogantly, I would say that it wasn't a major event in the world that I wasn't involved in. And I can count clients from Elon Musk, Elton John, Richard Branson, Jean-Paul de Jouria. These are the contacts and people that I've worked with throughout the planet. Uh, did a book about five or six years ago, and then recently brought out Go For Stupid. In a nutshell, that's me. That is crazy. And there's like a lot more to that than <laughs> what you just let on. But first, I'm intrigued by this. Like you mentioned, like getting to a married in the Vatican and some of those other things. How did you even have the how do you even start doing something like that? Because that just seems to be out there more so than what like would be the norm. God, what's normal to us? You know, we're weird, dysfunctional people to start with. Uh, and we're only contained by other people's limitations. So I always believe that five-year-olds have no idea of reality. So my wife's always said, I'm a 55-year-old, five-year-old. If I want to get someone, well, let me put it to you. If you wanted to get someone married in the Vatican, what's the first thing you would do? Uh, off the top of my head, contact someone high up in the church that I could get in contact with someone. Now I just go from there. I'd start Bingo. from where I could, yeah. Bingo, you wouldn't phone your local plumber. No. You wouldn't Google, uh, you know, the Pope's home phone number. You would literally start the basic stepping stones. And that's one of the best answers I've gotten. Do you know the funny thing was? That's what I did. I phoned locally, and I also phoned people in Italy because I'd worked there a lot, and I spoke to very powerful people there. So the bottom line of it is someone knows someone that knows someone that's got your answer. You just got to start that ladder. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny you say that because like in networking and sales and business, and I've been in the sales world forever, I've just always had the power of asking. Like worst case scenario, they're going to yeah. say no. And I had to get past the point of worrying about it. I mean, 
Worst case scenario is no. Well, what if they say yes? So I love that. So you started out doing concierge for like billionaires, like you mentioned, and then now you moved into like the coaching space, the podcasting space. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing there, like with the book and all. The funny thing is you say moving into, I, I was raised like most people, poor, broke, and ignorant to anything. Um, and I wanted more of myself. The concierge was just a was just a, a, a way of me getting that education, getting those connections. I always wanted to do something with it. The last thing, I, you've known me for a while. I'm not the guy that really wants to, you know, be wearing a fancy suit, sitting on the front row of the the Paris Fashion Week. I couldn't give a shit. Yeah, I wanted to be able to find out how to get these things, use them, benefit from them. And then I wanted to find someone else that if I can implant that wisdom on it, then if it makes them successful, great. I believe knowledge is something that we borrow. I don't think we own it. I think it's our duty to just pass it on. So when we know something, if it's working for you, can it work for five other people? And that's what I did. So I knew I always wanted to be able to impart that. I just had 25 years of curiosity in order to be able to do it. Now financially thank you very much but now i want to see what i can do for other people i want to impact them i want to see how they can do better i want to basically put them in a position where they get the choice and i want them to go for stupid goals i want them to think outside the box and that's my goal and uh focus now no i love that i love that a lot so let's talk about goals a little bit because i think a lot of times people aim too small they'll have this one little oh if i ever make it to a hundred thousand i know it's funny my show's called the 150k podcast but i call that step one you know you get there you can start to build that life by design what how do you help people with their goals how do you help them like stretch beyond what like you mentioned their limiting beliefs and all I'm, this this sounds like a shallow plug, and it may well be, but that was the thing that made me write this book. The first thing you do is you get deaf. And that's, that, that sounds stupid, but you get deaf. Imagine all of the people, or, or write them down, all of the people that you revere and look up to, Elon Musk, Larry Page, Richard Branson, all of the people, Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Edison, all of these people that did fantastical, great things, and they all started off by people protesting them and laughing at them. Mm-hmm. And how many times, oh, I'll pick on you. How many times in your earlier life were you sitting around a coffee table, maybe even at a family meal, those are the worst ones, sitting at like somewhere for Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, and you start talking about what you want to do, and then you want to start this podcast, and I want to impact millions of people, and I want to get them to, to step one. And you're talking about your goals and aspirations. How many people used to heckle, sneer, and giggle at you? When uh, you most. Used to talk about? Most. Yeah. Yep. Now, at that time, we're faced with two choices. One, we leave that table. We find a better table. We find people that challenge us, push us. Or we settle. And all of us at one stage in our life have gone, oh, ignore me. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I yep. must, you must have <laughs> spiked my coffee. You know, I, I'm back. I'm all right. Yeah, I'll settle. And that's what happens. But the thing is, and I, I was I was having a, a meeting with Elon Musk once, and he actually turned around and he said, they'll always laugh at you just before they applaud. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody that we revere, everyone that we idolize, 
the rock stars of today are entrepreneurs that succeeded. Yet there's a million and one that are actually being laughed at at this moment in time. That in a few years' time, maybe even a few months, will be stuck on a pedestal and hail. Yep. But the bottom line of it is, we heckle people too much. 85, and this isn't an accurate statistic, but it's damn, damn near close. 85% of the planet works for 15% of us. Yeah. The trouble is that 85% are fucking noisy and they shout and they laugh and they jeer. And the sad thing happens when you listen to them. So the first thing you've got to do is stop listening to people that are going to be serving you coffee in the morning. All right. Don't pay attention to the people that can't afford you. The amount of people that actually send me hate on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, they can't afford me. Yeah. Then why am I listening? And the fact is, I don't. So the first thing you got to do is partially get deaf. Get deaf to stupid people. What you've got to do is look around at your circle and go, okay, are you the support system I need for me to get where I need to be? Are you the ones that are going to challenge me? Are you the ones that are going to push me? Are you the ones that are going to allow me to stick to my focus when I get tired? Are you going to ones going to be the ones that pick up the baton when I'm exhausted, lift me up, and get me running again? And if not, I got to find those people. Yeah, no, that's so true. Like I, in my sales career, I've seen that. I've been in the entrepreneurial space for about a year and a half. Started the podcast, did all that stuff. And you're right, being around the right people matter because if you're not. You know, the hecklers are always going to be there anyway. So ignore them and move forward with the, the right people. That That's key. What, what What's the next step after that? So you get the right people in your corner. You get big dreams. You don't care what anyone else thinks. You go after them because they're going to laugh anyway. So you might as well go after your dreams. What would be the next step? Well, for start to get rid of that word big. Um, because the trouble is when, you, when you're looking for a big dream, What's big? What's big to you? What's big to me? What's big to someone else listening onto this? So, someone may be going for that first 150 grand and someone may be going for that first 150 mil. Yeah. And to both of those, that big goals. So focus on something that actually has some kind of uh, goal to it, some kind of destination. If you aim for going to Italy and you land foot in Italy, you, you've landed. Yeah. If you go for something big, Ah, that's a woolly goal to get because you're never going to know when you get there. So take the word big away and go for something. And a good friend of mine, Ari Moisel, always says, get going, then get good. Get yourself a stupid, ridiculous goal. Go for that. Okay? Now, here's the daft thing. You talk about 150 grand, and I love that. Love the whole you know positioning parameter, fencing of how you've actually set this, uh, this podcast up. How many times do you go for something, fail, and find yourself five times ahead of what most people would have settled at? Yeah, you see, a here, lot. Here's the thing that I do, and I do this with my coaching clients. And, and, and I'm going to walk it through so everyone listening to this, you try it, okay? It works. Don't try it, and I guarantee it'll fail. So there you go. Get a piece of paper, and here's the key. Get a big, fat-assed Sharpie, colored marker, or crayon. Something like that. Do you know what happens when you're actually writing things down in a purple crayon? You, you start to smile, okay? 
And so things happen in your head, the endorphins release, and you become curious. So this is what you do. Get a brightly colored marker or crayon, and at the top of that page, not bothering about the lines, but I want you to write five years from today. So today we're in 2022, all right? So you would go up there and you would go 2027, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, whenever you listen to this podcast, add five years and write that at the top of the page. And then I want you to write one, two, three, four, five to the left. And then I want you to just put your goals, your ridiculous goals that you would like to achieve in five years, your dreams in five years' time. I want a Ferrari. What Ferrari? Try and be as specific as you can. You know, I want this model Ferrari in yellow. I want a house in Malibu, a beach house, blah, 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 like this. Mm -hmm. I want, and write down what all of those five goals are. Now you have a destination. And now the next step, this is imperative. Get your marker, get your crayon, go back up to the top of the page, Cross out that date and put one year from now. Ooh, I like that. Now that's going to shit you up. But then you ask yourself the question, just like the stepping stones of how do you get in front of the Pope? Ask yourself, what's got to happen in 11 and a half months for me to achieve my 12-month goal? What's going to happen in 11 months, 10 months, 9 you know, five, four, what's got to happen next week for me to be on track? Now, are you going to get everything? Are you going to hit all five goals? Are you going to hit all five goals from your five-year plan in 12 months? Well, I hate to break it to you, but probably not. But here's the daft thing. The amount of people I work with that actually end up hitting two or three. Now, Mm -hmm. think about it. Statistically, you should have hit one, but you're hitting two or three because you failed up. Yeah, no, I love that because it, it it's that whole concept of each year with sales, I've done that same thing. I put a number that's way above what my quota is or what I did last year. And even if I didn't hit that number, I've gotten way farther than if I put my quota or I put this. It's like, I love that reframe and getting it set in your mind to where you reverse engineer it for lack of a better term, what you want to do, but it's got to be, it's got to be detailed. Cause that was the other thing you mentioned that I loved. It's a detailed goal. Like I want actually a cabin in Montana in whitefish because I love the area. I've been there a few times. My wife wants a beach house in Kauai, not Maui. She wants in Kauai, which is a garden Island price South in Poipu. So like you said that I had two goals hit my head immediately. There's other stuff I want to do, but I love the detail aspect of it as well, Steve. I actually did. You know, I do that on my phone all the time. In my notes on my phone, I have an I want need list. Now, here's why it's called an I want need list. You need to pay your mortgage. You need to pay the electric bill. You need to pay the staff. You need to pay the school fees. And guess what happens at the end of the month? You've paid those. Why? Because you need to. But you wanted a new motorcycle. You wanted to go out with your mates. You wanted to be able to go and do this. But you didn't do that. Because it wasn't a priority. That's why I combine the two. It's an I want slash need list. And I put as much detail on there. And I go, right, okay. And I'll circle it. And I go, right, this month, I need this. And I will literally highlight a bunch of those things. 
put them in a color and walk through and delete them as I've achieved them off of the list. And so in base, you've got to focus on it. But if you don't know where to go post, what do you know you're shooting at? Yeah. Well, it makes a lot more sense because then it takes it out of it. Because when it's a, I need, you have more intention behind it. Law yes. of attraction, whatever term you want to use. So I, I like that concept because I've had a bunch of I wanted, but that I need makes you get unrealistically aggressive toward it. I guess is where my mind would go. Prime, prime focus. Yes, 100%. I love that. So you, you have the crazy goal. You have the unrealistical crazy goals you're going to get. You're detailed about it. You're moving forward with it. Is there another step besides reverse engineering it and getting in the right rooms that we need or anything? What, what else are we missing here? You, you, you need the right tribe, okay? You know, we, we, can, we can do all right when we're on our own. We can conquer the planet when we've got a people around us. So you need to make sure you've got your tribe. A lot of people I see, and I've, I've seen this, I've had people come to me with like four of our friends and I'm looking at two of them thinking, you're floaters. You're mm-hmm. a complete waste of fucking space. I don't know why you're here, but then we do know why they're here because they couldn't achieve anything without this person. So you've had parties before. I've had this at parties before where people have actually turned up and they've been with a group of their friends and I've noticed the two of them are floaters. And the only reason they're there because they know that they couldn't get anywhere without this person. You've got to make sure that everyone in your room is a challenger that adds value to you because you add value to them. It's got to be an exchange. If it's not an exchange, it's a transaction and someone's sucking it out of you. So you've really got to make sure that your group are the best possible group. You need the A-team. And I'm constantly grading up. I'm const- And this sounds horrible, but I'm constantly looking at my tribe, my group, my core, and I'm like, are you the best person for me? Are you the best? And when you demand more of them, guess who they demand more of? Of me. You know, yeah. if you're if you're looking at your mate going, hey, if you're not the guy that can challenge and support me, should you really be in my room? And he's going to turn around and go, are you that person for me? You know, so you, you, you step yourself up. You make sure that there's that tribe. And I know it's very hard. And I know I may be speaking to people that are on their early legs of being an entrepreneur, okay? And I know it's tough. And I know you're sitting there in your town, in your city, in your village, and you're looking at your mates going, well, it's easy for you to say, Steve, but these boys have been with me since high school. I hate to break into you, but they were probably pricks back then as well. People do change. They do evolve, right? You've got to make sure that they've evolved to help you. And if they've not, You've got to leave that crew. And it's tough. And the toughest ones, we'll go back to it because we, we mentioned early, some of the people you've got to avoid are your family. You know, you get 100%. together with them at Christmas. And I've had this. I've, I've actually worked with my uncles and my cousins gone, hey, your business could be doing this, 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 this. A year later, hey, did that work? Yeah, never got around to trying it, Steve. Nah, it sounds silly. And you realize that you're trying to help them, but they're not willing to receive an action. And when that happens, you've just got to go, all right, I'll tell dirty jokes and eat the turkey with you. But after that, I'm done and I'm going home. So you've really got to focus on those people that add value to you, that you can add value to, and realize the others are just nothing more than moments of your life.
Yeah, no, I agree. Getting into the right rooms has been crucial for me. Like it's made me level up. It's made me feel like I'm actually in that right world. Because again, when you're around people that are happy coming home and sitting at home and watching football or doing whatever, which is not a bad thing, but it's just not, I'm not happy doing that anymore. Being around the right people has totally changed my outlook, how I look at things, how I want to do things, who I want to help the whole, the whole nine yards. So I agree with you hundred percent there, Steve. It's everything. It really is the correct support system is everything. I'll tell you a funny story once. Um, it wasn't funny at the time, to be honest with you. But I got a good friend of mine, a guy called Jay Abraham. You may have heard of him. And uh, he lives down the road from me. So I had this brilliant business idea. And I phoned him up one day and I said, look, I, I've got this idea, Jay. You know, you, you've got to read this. You know, you've got to hear it. You've got to hear my pitch. You know, you're going to want to be involved in it, boy, because we're going to make millions. And he was like, all right, come on down. It was the first time in my life that I actually did a PowerPoint presentation. I had all these different colors, bar graphs, statistics. It was everything. I puked everything I could onto this PowerPoint. And I went down to CJ and I went through this entire presentation with him. And he looked at it. And at the end, I looked and I was like, well, and he looked at me and he just rubbed his chin and he went, Hmm. <laughs> and I'll never forget him doing that. And then he went, is that it? And I thought, what the bloody hell do you mean? I've just, and so I said to him, are you mad? You know, I've got this, I've got this. We're going to, we're going to do this. What do you mean? Is that it? And he turned around and he said, I just thought with your connection to your ability, your focus, your reputation, your brand, I was just expecting a bit more. And I realized I had settled too low. Now he wasn't doubting for a second that this would be more, this would be successful. In fact, he said, yes, you do this, you will make millions. But if you did something more, you'd have, you'd be able to do less and make more. As it was, we took, I think, like a small element of that plan made the income we wanted to, but it was so much more than that. Didn't even pop, um, do anything with like two thirds, probably about 80% of the power plant, just didn't even do it. The bottom line of it is you need people there to challenge you to think differently. You need to creatively disrupt your industry and your life because if you're not disrupting, you're being disrupted. And that's the thing. You've got to be in control of it. Don't let someone else be in control. Yeah, no, I love that. And it, it's funny because we get this big idea of how we should do it. Like you said, you did the whole PowerPoint, did the whole presentation. And reality is like, just go, just do, just be, just act. I think we're so afraid of failure. And in fact, it's not really failing. It's just a no now. It Maybe we just need to position it a different way or level up or stuff. But for people like are listening to the show right now, how do they find those groups? Like I found my tribe like with George and his friends and you find your tribe. How do someone start? How do they find their tribe? Well, the good thing is you don't even have to travel far to do it. The easiest thing you can do for a start is join Facebook groups. Okay. It costs nothing. Okay. So just join as many as you can. Shallow plug because it's free of charge. I have one called an entrepreneur's advantage with Steve Sims. You may hate it, but you ain't going to know until you join it. It's free of charge. Join as many entrepreneur 
uh, Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, as many of these groups as you can. And then from that, decide to stick with the ones that aggravate, push, and make you think differently, and then get involved in those conversations. And then go, hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to an event in Miami. I'm going to go to that event. Hey, there's an entrepreneur event in Scottsdale. I'm going to drive across town and go to that. Start getting yourself into rooms where people demand more of you so, so you could do the same. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's also getting into rooms where people you're not like the big brain. So like in my sales career, I've been the top guy. So when I'm there, everyone's asking me all these questions and all. But I get into rooms where people like blow my mind with what they're doing now. So I oh, think yeah. that's going to make you just level up and rise up and change. And if you don't ever get in those rooms, you're really wasting time. Oh, yeah. And actually, you know, that's, that's the thing. And that's probably the biggest thing I noticed with powerful people. They know they can make more money. Okay. But they know they can't make more time. So they need to make sure that every hour has the impact that it possibly can. So you really need to focus on it. You ain't getting any prettier. You ain't getting any uglier uh, or any younger. You gotta focus on creating that impact within every hour. And that's another reason why COVID pissed me off. I loved COVID. Um, there you go. I said it. It did so much for me. Sorry for all of those that went through pain. For me and my family, it was wonderful. Is it gave me extra hours in the day. I wasn't flying anywhere. I wasn't traveling anywhere. I wasn't working on an event. I had like, you know, a nine day week. And guess what? Everyone that I wanted to connect and communicate with they were in the same boat as me. They weren't traveling. They weren't on a plane. They weren't on holiday. They were at home almost waiting for my call. I absolutely love being able to get the most I could out of that time because you ain't going to get it again. No, not at all. In fact, I think I heard on a different podcast you were on. Did you like start like a drink with Steve type of thing yes. on a Friday? I can't remember I, what you termed it, but. Yeah, it was a happy hour. So yeah. the, the whole thing was that Every Friday night, I like to just, and it's not just Friday nights, but most Friday nights, I like to pour on old fashioned, just find a little quiet space in my, in my home and literally just ask myself, did I earn this? Do I deserve this old fashioned? Did I put what I could into this week? Because I can't go, ah, time out, wasn't on ball. I need that week back, you know? So did I earn that week? No. What did I do wrong? Well, you're going to have to step it up next week, Steve, to be able to gain that momentum back. So I asked myself, so when COVID hit, and I think it was like the second week, and we all thought this was going to last a couple of months. You know, none of us knew it was going to be two and a half years and in some parts of the world still going on. So I think it was like two weeks in, I went, people are bitching that they're not going to hang out with each other. There's phones, there's FaceTime, there's Zoom. Loads of different ways. What are they talking about? So I just went, look, I'm going to drink on a Friday night. Who wants to join me? Do you know, we had about 200 and something people joining us on a Zoom call on a Friday afternoon at That's five awesome. till six, one hour. And all we did was tell stupid dad jokes and just, hey, you know, what's going on in your life? And it was wonderful. We ended up doing that for two years. It was ridiculous, but everyone loved it. No, but it's that human connection again. It's that thing that you can't buy back. The connection with the people, the connection with who you're around, the connection just in general. And I think that's something with COVID that 
a lot of people finally slowed down and realized I need my time back. I'd rather yes. work from home now, build my own thing, than you know, go and punch a clock and all. Now we're not dumb, but I always like to do this in the middle. This way they can't like skip off. Where can people find you at? Oh God, I'm really easy to find. Steve D Sims, D for dashing, one M in Sims. You can grab the book, go for stupid at Amazon or go for stupid.com. But Steve D Sims, anywhere.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, look up Steve D Sims. The ugly feather will an old fashioned. That'll be me. No, that's awesome. So let's shift gears just a little bit because you've met a lot of really interesting people as well. What are some of the most biggest takeaways or even craziest moments that maybe you haven't shared yet with someone that you met or a crazy story? You can go any way you want. A crazy story. Wow. So, you know, there's a classic one. It's in the book. A lot of people know about it. Um, I had a client that wanted a dining experience in Florence. So I've always believed never give a client what they ask for. If you do that, it's called a transaction. People pay you to be creative and disrupt. So he wanted a dining experience in Florence. I closed down the Academia, the gallery and museum, set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David. And halfway through his meal at nine o'clock at night, I brought in Andrea Bocelli to serenade him. So that's one of those crazy moments that I created. But I've met a lot of people that have actually thought differently, worked differently, viewed differently. And some of the craziest stuff I've had is when I've been in a room with powerful people having conversations and learning. You know, I've had, I've had conversations with Peter Diamandis, with Tony Robbins, with the Vatican, with Ray Kurzweil, the founder of Siri. Yo, know, Larry Page, I've had these phenomenal conversations of how they recruit, how they invest, how they think of life, how they think of impact. You know, what, what's crazy for them? And those have been some of the conversations where I've literally had to just get in the car, drive home, go around the corner to park up and just kind of like let this sink in that I've just been having a conversation for the last hour with uh, Elon Musk or Larry Page and what I got out of it. So that's been... Uh, that's been a very interesting period for me. No, and I love all of that. So like key point that I heard you say is don't be transactional. When you give something to someone, go above and beyond so that there's none of that transactional feel. You're giving them an experience that they will always remember. And then secondly, the impact of having the right people that are around you. And then the thing, and I'm going to ask you this because this is what I found. And maybe it's just I don't care. Like I see a big name person, like I'll just talk to them. I'm assuming when you've talked to them, you're just talking to them like we're talking right now, you know, just back and forth. And it's not the fanboy, for lack of a better term. Is it, 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 it's funny to me that most people that I know that are successful don't get that actual connection with people because people are always asking to pick their brain or for a minute or for something like that instead of just, hey, you and me, Steve, we're, we're shooting the shit here right now. Have you found that to be a key to being, when you've talked to successful people, do you like, Connecting with them, or you want to give us some insights on that? So I had a, um, well, I have still a very powerful client in uh, Poland. And I went over to uh, Poland to see him. We were working on something. So I flew over from Los Angeles and I went to his office and he had this massive great factory. He was doing some unveiling. He said, come over, you know, we're doing a cocktail reception for this unveiling. He had grabbed a suit out of his closet 
And it was close, but it was a different blue material between the jacket and the trousers. And in certain light, it was very, very obvious that this wasn't the suit, you know? He'd obviously mixed up the jacket and uh, trousers of another very similar suit. And so as we were walking through, and it got to the end, and I got close to him because he'd been doing a lot of his, you know, handshaking and taking photographs. As we started to go up to his room, I said to him, I said, hey, you know you got the wrong suit on. And he went, what? Look at the trousers, the trousers and the jacket. I, I guarantee you, you've got the exact same mismatch, a mismatched suit <laughs> yep. in your cupboard at home, ain't you? And he looked and he went, I freaking have. He said, you know something? No, he said, I turned up at eight o'clock this morning. This is like 4.30 in the afternoon. He said, no one told me. He said, no one told me. He said, because they don't talk to you. They talk to the chairman of the company or they talk to the head of the board and they talk to one of the keynote investors. So they never talk to you. They talk to the title that's been given to you. He said, you're the first person that told me about the suit. And that's the trouble. A lot of people, and here's the daft thing. I rattled off a whole bunch of names to you. So let's rattle them off again. The Pope, Elon Musk, Larry Page, uh, Jean-Paul de Jouria. All of those people share one thing in common. They were all broke. They were all poor. Okay? They know what it's like. They can relate to that. So when someone meets them and they go, oh, God, yeah, I'm having trouble with this because bloody hell, the budget's gone or, yeah, I just lost my ass on that or I gambled it all on this investment and shit, I got screwed up. They know that. They understand what that's like. But you don't think you can relate to these people. But those people want to be related to. By me just turning up, and you've known me, you know, I turn up everywhere on my motorbike, black T-shirt, jeans, leather jacket, helmet. And I'm like, right, let's go. You know, God, you look silly in that. And I talk to people. And for them, it's refreshing. The first thing that really made me go, this is crazy, was I would be talking to someone and sharing a joke, maybe taking the piss a little bit, maybe having a little bit of a gag, and then would go on about my day. And people at the event would come up to me and they'd be like, how can you talk to him like that? And I said, well, no, you're missing the point. I'm talking to him, not to his title, not to his pedestal, not to his paycheck. I'm actually communicating with him. Are you? And of course they're not because they're all laughing at unfunny jokes or not pointing out he's wearing the wrong suit or all of these kind of things. And they're not communicating and they're not connecting. Yeah, that, that's that been the biggest key that I have found in my sales career in life. And I agree with you 100%. And it's like anytime I've gone to an event, I just go up and talk to people. Like just like we're talking now. I love that, man. I think if people would realize that... They, I think successful people want to help, but they want it to be true and authentic. They don't want it to be the fanboy. Oh, this is Steve Sims. I can't talk to him. Oh my God. You know, it's, it's, it's so crazy that people get caught up in that. Now I know when I was younger, I'm sure I was doing that, but now I've gotten older and I'm like, either they're going to like me or not. And if they don't like me, then they're not the right person. But here's a couple of things. Society does it. If you, if you want, here's an example. You can watch this. You can see it in action. If you watch the Grammys, the Oscars, something like that, you see the celebrity walk past all of the, you know, the, the people, 
and the people are calling them for a photograph and the, the celebrity will come over. As they come over, watch the person asking for an autograph or a photograph. They will always lower their head. And if you notice, the celebrities always hold the pictures and the photographs like that because it also puts them slightly higher than other people. Human psychology, that's what happens. True story. I had an event. I had a New York client of mine wanted to meet Sir Richard Branson. And Sir Richard was at an event that I was working with him on. So he was walking towards me, and I'm with my New York client. Now, I'm 240 pound of ugly, and I'm a pretty big, marginally intimidating guy. My client was bigger than me. As Richard's getting closer to him, and my client's a billionaire, so he really ain't got to worry about paying the mortgage or, you know, the phone bill that month. As Richard's getting towards him, he starts to lower his head and stoop. He's so fanboying that he's going to meet Richard Branson that he starts to lower himself. The only thing I could do, because I didn't have a lot of time, was literally from the back of him, I smacked him on the back of the head. <laughs> nice. And it was quite a slap. I didn't mean to scuff him as much as I did. But with that smack, he stood up, growled, and looked at me like he was going to freaking kill me just as Richard got in front of me. And I went, oh, so Richard, please let me introduce you. And the guy turned around. Now, of course, as he did that, he was up. He was in, in presence, chest down. He was like, it's good to meet you. And they met as equals. And the daft thing is, how can you connect with someone when the first thing you do is stick them on a pedestal five foot higher than you? This guy met Richard as an equal, they actually have done business and they are actually friends. Now, afterwards, he said to me, I see why you did that. Never touch me again, but I see why you did it. And he's often had a, he's a big fella. Yeah. And he's often had a joke of that. And he brings it up probably at every single cocktail party we ever have. Um, Cause he's not the type of guy to be slapped uh, yeah. and for someone to get away with it. But that's the situation. People, for some reason, just psychologically, society, we bow in reverence to people that we, we put on a pedestal. And we shouldn't. Yeah, it, it, I think you just unlocked a big key for a lot of people, whether you're doing it in a business presentation, whether you're doing it when you're meeting people in general, they need to see you as an equal with them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, you might have heard my daughter in the background there. She was singing. So <laughs> we always just bring everything onto the show. So as we wrap this up a little bit, Steve, is there any other words of wisdom, anything that we've missed on what we talked about today? I think you've really got to focus on this is your life. You don't get a second one. I don't care what you think. You're not going to be reborn as a dog or something. This is it. It's a one shot. Don't waste it by listening to those people that are just too noisy. Focus on yourself, have audacious goals, go for stupid, ridiculous things, and then fail by achieving something far superior to what you would have settled at. I love that, my friend. I love that. Where can people find your book? Um, you can find it on uh, goforstupid.com, uh, stevedsims.com, or you can jump on Amazon and just type in Go For Stupid. Or even me, and you'll find Bluefish on there as well. But it's very easy to find. 
Awesome. I appreciate you being on the show, my friend. Have a wonderful day. And for all of you listening, share this episode. There's a lot of people you know that need to hear it. And until next time, go for the biggest thing you can think of and triple it. Thank you for listening to the 150K Podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K Podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.